you're an entrepreneurial public servant, this podcast is for you. Welcome to Inspiring People and Places, where we interview national leaders in the architectural, engineering, construction, and development industry in an effort to educate, innovate, and inspire industry professionals to disrupt the status quo, improve their project teams, and steward public and private investments more effectively. I'm your host, BJ Kramer, President and CEO of MCFA, and today we are excited to welcome Brent Darnell to the show. Thanks so much for joining us, Brent. Thanks. It's great to be here, BJ. Brent, before I uh, hit any of the bio, could you give us your 30-second elevator pitch on who you are and what you do? (laughs) So I teach emotional intelligence and all those critical people skills to folks in the construction industry. And I've been doing that for, for 20 years, well, 20 plus years. And we have a real big focus on peak levels of mental, physical, and emotional performance. Oh, you're, uh, Brent and I have not met before. Matt Handel has made the introduction. So I'm, I'm very excited for the, uh, for the conversation. Uh, peak performance as a former athlete, as somebody who's, you know, I'm kind of a coachy guy. I, I just love uh, figuring out how humans can, you know, individually myself and and helping my team members uh, reach peak performance. So I'm excited to see where this goes. Uh, for our listeners, uh, Brent is being a little humble. He is the pioneer in bringing emotional intelligence to the construction industry. Uh, of note, I think this one stands out. He was awarded Engineered News Records Top 25 Newsmakers Award for his record-breaking program that, quote, transforms alpha males into service-focused leaders. Uh, that's mm. of interest to me, mainly because we we have a uh, mission to help veterans transition into the engineering construction industry. And uh, I think that emotional intelligence, I think in, in a lot of ways, veterans meet, you know, kind of the the stereotype uh, for the construction industry, kind of hard and gruff, right. but I think that, uh, the, the emotional intelligence, emotional quotient side of this equation is so important, uh, especially when, when trying to build teams and, and trying to improve, uh, project implementation, because so much comes down to the, the human side of this. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it always amazed me growing up in the business and working in the business for 20 years that, we put people on those high pressure projects, millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars at stake. And they eat crappy food and they don't get enough sleep and they, they, they're highly stressed and they don't exercise and we don't support each other. And then we expect to, people to perform at a high level. It's and, like, and, and we're surprised when we don't. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and that's the miracle is they do perform at a high level and those projects get finished, but guess what? it comes at a really big cost. We, we have people that are uh, overweight and out of shape and developing autoimmune diseases and diabetes and heart disease and, and high blood pressure. Uh, and we have the second highest suicide rate of any industry. And so what we're doing is not working well, I think. That, so we need to do something different. That was the biggest shocker to me when I, when I read that in your notes that uh, the construction industry has the highest suicide rate. I mean, that, what a scary yeah. statistic. Yeah, it's um, and, and when you think about it, when I see these typical emotional profiles for, for the industry and you think about this hyper masculine industry where you can't be vulnerable, you can't ask for help, you can't not know something. Uh, and it's just a it's just a bad situation. It's a recipe for disaster and it's starting to really take its toll. Did you know that um, suicide kills five times more people than deaths related to accidents on a construction project. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah. So we, we've got a, uh, we've got a safety officer on every project. Maybe we should have a, uh, a mental health coach on every, yeah, on every project I, I, team. It, it would, it would suit me. I would love it. That's awesome. So I, I read in your bio that you, you kind of grew up around the construction industry, but mm-hmm. Take us through who you are, where you where you came from, and what brought you to to where we are today. Well, I, I grew up in the industry. My dad was in construction his his entire adult life, and I, I started as an MEP coordinator. I'm a mechanical um, engineer by education, Georgia Tech graduate. Started as an MEP coordinator, moved up to the PM side. 
I did quit and became a full-time actor and writer for about three years, which was a real trip. And, and they tell me is not your normal career path for most <laughs> mechanical engineers. Uh, I did a lot of theater, did a lot of stand-up comedy, improv theater, did some low-budget movies, had a small role on the old TV show In the Heat of the Night. I oh, played yeah. a, a redneck auto mechanic drug dealer <laughs> on In the Heat of the Night. Uh, but I couldn't make How's a living. How's that for typecasting? <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, I'm from. I'm originally from Mobile, Alabama, so I could slide right into that role. But I mean, it's a tough industry. I, acting is tougher than construction in some ways. So I went back to the industry, and then I was working as a PM for Beers Construction in Atlanta and Skanska, the Swedish big Swedish contractor, bought us, and they had this exchange program. And I, did this exchange program and went all over Northern Europe and made some great connections. And then a couple of years later, they had this leadership development program that they wanted an American to run because they said it was too Swedish. So they brought me in and I did that for two years and just absolutely loved it. It was a five week program spread throughout the year. And we were in places like Moscow and Buenos Aires and London and, and New York and <laughs> Prague you know, it was this awesome program and did that for a couple of years, loved it. And then at the end of the two years, they said, great, go back to Atlanta. We're doing something else. Went back to Atlanta and I said, hey, <clears throat> I've learned all this great stuff about leadership and we were using emotional intelligence. And, and they looked at me like I was crazy. They said, <laughs> what? This Because this was in 2001. I mean, I was the total weirdo back then. And they just went, we don't, we don't need that, but we want you to go manage this, this gymnasium at a high school project, manage that project in, in Albany, Georgia. And I said, thank you, but I would rather put a bullet in my head. You know, I just, I really, that's, I cannot get excited about that. I'd been traveling all over the world. So I just, I started my business literally like that was the day I just said, there's a need here this is great stuff. The industry needs it. And so that was, that was how I got started. And that was 20 years ago. So. Wow. And then for the last 20 years, you've been all over the country or all over the, the world. Yeah. Um, and, and I saw a bunch of the big boy clients, Skanska, Balfour Beatty, Beck group, yeah. uh, Clark, Heary, uh, Kiewit. Um, <laughs> what is the typical, situation when you're getting engaged is it is it corporate or is it project based tell us a little it's bit about usually that. it's usually corporate based it's either leadership high potentials coming up or a, a top leadership group and we we try to discourage companies from doing one day trainings because we think they're a waste of everybody's time and money and energy so we tend to do what we've done the most effectively is year-long programs so we evaluate everybody up front. We do an emotional evaluation and a physical evaluation based on physical symptoms to see how your body's working and what needs attention there. We, then we correlate the emotional and the physical. Uh, we meet and people create development plans and we coach throughout that entire year. And we meet once a month or once every six to eight weeks. And we do different topics like communication skills and presentation skills and stress management, time management, you know, all these different things that people need to be successful. And uh, then if, at the end of the year, we reevaluate, see, see what happens there and, and tweak plans and get a plan for the coming year. And then we'll, we'll roll through and do other groups and in the same companies. Uh, so it, 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 and we do one-on-one -on -one coaching and we have online courses. We've, we've got all of our courses online now through CMAA. And that's another avenue to, to gain this knowledge and to gain this expertise and to practice. So, so there's a number of ways we can deliver the content, but the main thing is the evaluations and getting started with some great development plans. And it's interesting, we, we started doing this, the bringing in the physical part because of a request. Every time we would have a program and say, this is our emotional intelligence, all the people skills, we say, but we're gonna be together for a year. So if you wanna work on something, we'll work on it. Well, these are mostly a bunch of middle-aged white guys. So almost all of them chose health and well-being. Hmm. I wanna eat better. I wanna drop some weight. I wanna start exercising. You know, I wanna get my stress under control. So we just started filling in those, those requests with a formalized sort of a program 
And uh, the way we found this physical part, it, it's interesting. My wife is a naturopath, a board certified naturopath and chiropractor. And she would come to me with her, her clients, her patients and say, you know, I got this woman and she can't lose weight and, and she's really struggling. And, and I just don't know what else to tell her. And I said, well, I bet if she's having issues, it'll be in her emotional profile. So I started profiling her patients with the emotional profile. And then I would come to her and say, hey, I got this 50-year-old superintendent. He's 50 pounds overweight. He's running 20 miles a week. She said, I bet he has you know, sugar handling issues or I bet it biliary and liver stuff going on. So we would. she started doing her physical evaluation for my folks. Then this miraculous thing happened. We started seeing these correlations between the emotional and the physical. And they were frighteningly consistent. So... For instance, if we see a, a self-sacrifice emotional profile, which is high empathy and lower assertiveness, we almost always see sugar handling as an issue, which means they tend to be carboholics or sugarholics. Huh. Their, their bodies are not processing carbs and sugar very well. So we work on both. We work on, okay, self-sacrificers, set some better limits and boundaries, work on your assertiveness, but also let's cut down and out the carbs and sugar. And we're finding we're getting much better results focusing on both. And I don't know why we separate emotional and physical, but we tend to do that. But they're, they can't be separated. They're intertwined. Yeah. It's like everything we do, we try to compartmentalize. Right. right? Exactly. Um, I'm curious, what is the physical profiling tools and what are the emotional profiling tools that you use? The physical tool we use is from a company called Standard Process. They've been around since the 20s, and this was developed a long ago to basically help them sell different supplements. They're a supplement company. They're a natural food supplement company. So they wanted to target specific um, you know, symptoms in your body will, will correlate to, like, are you having biliary liver kind of things going on, or is your body having trouble digesting and assimilating protein or, or carbs and sugar, or are your adrenals fried or a parasympathetic and sympathetic dominance, which is the fight or flight or exhaustion, you know, do those, are those symptoms starting to show up? So uh, we've been, we, that's what my wife uses in her practice. So that's what we use. And then the emotional profile, it's, it's called the EQI 2.0. It's the, it was based on Reuven Baron's work and he, he had the Baron EQI years ago and MHS, this multi-health systems in Canada bought him out, but his is the only emotional uh, evaluation, emotional intelligence evaluation that has been validated, scientifically validated and peer reviewed. Hmm. So I really like that about the, the emotional profile because many of these out there now, they're really not, they're really not scientifically validated. They're, they're just sort of, some of them I, I likened to personality tests or maybe horoscopes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, and is it a test? 100 questions? It or? It's, it's 133 questions. It's a more of situational, like, do you do this all the time or part of the time or none of the time? Uh, so it, it is a self-perception evaluation, but Baron also has a 360 version of it. So if we feel like we need some validity checks, we can also do the 360 and see uh, how other people are viewing you as well. I haven't had that issue in this industry. I think te these technical people and engineers, they want it to be accurate. They don't try to, and I tell them up front, like I, I can tell if you're trying to smoke the test, right. there are all kind of val validity skills built in. So you can't really smoke the test and just do it. Be honest with your answers. I'm not going to share it with anybody. So, um, and usually I get really good, valid results from most everybody. I, uh, you've got me very curious. I want to take the test myself on, on okay. this, on the standard process. I'm, I'm just finishing up 75 hard. I don't know if you've heard of it. No, it's, it's a, it's kind of a crazy, some entrepreneur, Andy Frisella started it, um, as a mental discipline and physical kind of reset. Uh, mm -hmm. you work out twice a day. Once has to be outside. You have to drink a gallon of water every day. Uh, you have to follow a diet. Uh, I'm trying to stay within macro counting and, and, uh, reduce sugar. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you have to read 10 pages of a, you know, self-help or, or business or, 
fiction book, a nonfiction right. book. Right. Uh, I think that's everything. Oh, and no alcohol for the 75 days, which I, I think, you know, the uh, folks that we're talking to, the folks that you're probably dealing with, I think alcohol, I came from the military. Alcohol is camaraderie. Alcohol is yeah. stress management. Alcohol is kind of the the basis for for all highs and lows. Um, yeah. And I, I just wanted to do it to to prove to myself I could go seventy five days. I mean, I went I went a year in Iraq without it, but that that was you know right. twelve fifteen years ago. Um, so, so how's it been so far? How long have you been doing this? I am uh, just about at sixty days. Wow. And the, the workouts, they don't have to be super intense workouts. Like a work, uh, they both they have to be two 45 minute workouts. One has to be outside. So the outside workout, I've been going for a walk outside and, yeah. and just yeah. everybody can do this. If you haven't done it before, go to your iPhone. If you're not using an iPhone, who are you? Uh, <laughs> uh, but you go to the health on your iPhone and you can look at how many steps you're taking. So I'm well over 12,000 steps a day now, yeah. but my average in, in 21 was like 6,000. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, we, I try to do a 45 minute, you know, if I have a conference call instead of being behind the screen, which you lose a little bit, not being on video, but I try to do a 45 minute walk during that time. Uh, and it's just, it's unbelievable. Um, and, and just because I brought it up, um, the alcohol social situations you know it's where it's just like usually natural for me business mm -hmm. dinners whatever to to have a drink or more um mm -hmm. at first that was a little like it was it was i was self-conscious about being self-conscious i think mm -hmm. uh like oh i'm taking away from the relaxed environment for other people uh but i quickly got over it probably two, three weeks in, I realized nobody gives a shit. <laughs> nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. I, I very rarely drink at, at conferences and in the, you know, the networking things with the open bars or yeah. bars. I just get club soda um, with lime. So they think I've got a drink. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not doing it for that reason, but I'm doing it to get more water. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been interesting. And um, so I'm, I'm curious on the physical side, I'm also doing it because my cholesterol was high in December mm. and I, I turned 40 this year. So I, my doctor was like, cut out alcohol and see how this changes. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see how my blood work comes back at the end of uh, March. Well, I'll tell you what, we have developed these, uh, some free versions of the physical and the emotional test. And okay. if you go to brentdarnell.com forward slash resources, I think the first file there, it's called the Geist EI test and symptom survey. Okay. And you, you should uh, take about probably half an hour or less to take it, uh, both of them. And then it, it automatically graphs your results and figures out what it's seeing physically and emotionally. And then you can see if there's some correlations there. There's interpretive guidelines. So once you get your profiles that, that it, it sees the patterns, then you can go to the interpretive guidelines, see the physical correlation, see how it affects different areas of your life and work. Very interesting. We'll, uh, we'll make sure we tag that in the show notes. Okay. Um, so it's, it's great to have you. You're different than a lot of our, our typical guests who, who are on the, you know, the leadership or the project management they're in, they're in the business. Uh, I love that we're getting to talk on the business. Um, what, if you could tell us a story or share with us a story, maybe, maybe there's been a, an engagement, an individual, uh, or even yourself, the hardest challenge you've had to navigate or leadership lesson that you've learned through your work um, in emotional intelligence? Well, first of all, when I started, I told my wife, I'm going to be teaching emotional intelligence to the construction industry. She said, <laughs> what? Like, I don't think that's a very good business model. <laughs> I, I'm not seeing, I'm not feeling you. Like, I'm not seeing like, I don't think she said, I don't think they want that. <laughs> and I said, no, they probably don't, but they Indeed. need this. So most of my career has been overcoming initial objections. And people think it's touchy feely. It's, it's kumbaya. It's group hugs and all those things. And, and 
But once we get into what it really is, uh, those objections have overcome pretty, pretty fast for most, and some never overcome. We don't overcome those objections, but that's okay. And I, I can tell you that when people see problems, you know, I always ask this, when you have problems on a project or in your companies, is it process related or people related? Nope. Nobody has process related problems these days. If they do, they fix it pretty quickly. They find the right software or the right app or the right whatever, but it's always the people stuff. And, and I tell them, you know, if you could figure out a way to get your people working at peak levels of mental, physical, and emotional performance and solve all those issues that are people issues like conflicts and personality stuff, and just having them connect as human beings, would that be valuable to you? And of course it always is. And, you know, I, I remember this one company, 90 year old company, a little bit stuffy, a little bit stodgy. They sent out this survey, this company did a survey about clients and potential clients. And it, and it came back, of, you know, you guys are, are great people. You're, you're honest, you're great builders. And you know what? We really don't like you very much. <laughs> like, like we never hear from you between projects. And there's a couple of your people that we don't want ever on our projects. And so they looked at that and said, well, crap, how do you, how do you fix that? Well, this, this guy was a member of some leader, you know, those leadership groups, those peer yep. groups. And the, the guy gave him my book. And so he called me and said, here's what we got. You know, what do you think? And I said, well, I, I, I can tell you this, this work will really take hold and, and shift your culture if you do it deeply enough. And they, they did everything that you, you need to do. They started with top leaders, then they pushed it down through the company. We literally took all 235 people from CEO down to the foreman level. They did their own concrete work. So they had foreman, concrete foreman. Literally everybody in that company went through a year long training process. And it shifted the culture and they rebranded and, and their tagline was uh, making life better. (laughs) This 90 year old company. So they, they really shifted that. It became all about relationships and all about people and humans and connection. And and they got so, so much work as a result of that. One of the stories they told me was they, they were third on price on this, this company called doTERRA. They make essential oils and health and wellness is their whole thing. And it's a multi-level marketing company. So everybody sort of has their own little business in doTERRA. And uh, this company I was with, it was an employee-owned company. So I think they said, let's try this Brent Darnell crap because we're not going to get this job anyway. We're third. Like, <laughs> we'll go in and do the thing, but... but uh, we're not going to get it. So they, they, they didn't talk a lot about schedule or price or, or site logistics or anything. They talked about, Hey, we've got this passion for building and we own it. We own our company. We know that you, you you folks own your companies. If we marry our passions, if we marry your passion for health and wellness and, and essential oils, and we have our passion for building, we're going to create something amazing. And they got the job. And since then, they've gotten two more phases without any bidding at all. They just gave them the project. So that's awesome. So, yeah. So that's the kind of shifts that you can see happen with individuals and with cultures and companies when it becomes truly about the humans and a lot less about um, process or, or, fees or percentages, that stuff just comes, that stuff just will follow if you take care of the, the people side of this business. And, and the engagement is that much more enjoyable. That, I mean, totally. we, we talk in our company, um, you know, billable hours are the, are the way of tracking time in, in consulting right. firms. And it's, we're not billing entities, we're serving people. Tracking time right. is just part of the process, but I never want people to get, and I talk about this a lot with our junior team. It's like at the end of the day, clients are human beings that have, you know, problems or projects or they're, they're, you know, juggling different priorities and we're there to, to try and solve them. And sometimes us coming in is helping them get to, you know, a little league game at four o'clock in the afternoon, instead of having to grind it out at seven o'clock, stressing about what's going on. And it's, it's very interesting. I'm, I'm enamored by 
your uh, your work. <laughs> um, well, and there was this other story they they told about a superintendent who unfortunately passed away, but the the his wife was looking for someone to give the eulogy uh, for Skip, and they chose the owner's rep huh. to give the eulogy no because kidding. they had developed such a tight relationship and friendship. I mean, how many jobs does that happen on, right? That just gave me chills. Yeah, it's really. pretty wild. Yeah, uh, powerful stuff. Is there any one thing that you would you would say, hey, this is this is really, if if you could implement anything today without without subscribing to anything, um, my guess is it's around, you know, just starting to be more vulnerable and 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 talk about it. But is there is there anything that is must read from your uh, from your literature? Hmm. Well, I mean, here's, there, there are a lot of great books out there and, and there's a lot of good books by, by buddies of mine on the mental health and wellness part. But I would say, and I, this is one of them. This is, I'm going to, I'm going to promote my book because I think it's written specifically for people in the field. It's called the tough guy survival kit. Okay. And it covers all the things we're talking about. It covers all the people skills, communication relationships, but it also covers stress management and peak performance. And, you know, I, I'm a certified yoga instructor and I've been doing yoga since 1977. So it's been a long time and I teach mindfulness and meditation techniques and breathing techniques and, and yoga if we have several days. And so, uh, the reason we focus on that is because it works. And some of these guys will never admit that it's yoga. They, they, <laughs> they come to me and, and said things like, uh, this yoga is a bunch of crap. And I say, well, that's cool. It's not for everybody. And they go, yeah, but that breathing part, that really helps me. So I'm going to just do that part. And I go, okay, good, because that's not yoga at all. <laughs> so you just keep doing that part and uh, whatever helps you, you know. So that would be a book I would, in fact, I'll, under that resources link, yep. the, the second edition of the Tough Guy Survival Kit is there. All right. So it, it, it's been updated. There's a third edition out, but that's something that people could just check out for free. All right. We'll make sure we well. link that. Um, but but any any of these uh, these guys like Tim Ferriss, and, and they're all about performance, and they're all about how do you get the most out of your life and work? And so uh, I know a lot of folks out there are pod, they like podcasts, like, you know, we're, we're here. So there's a lot of really good podcasts on performance. Tony Robbins has some good stuff on performance. Uh, so it's those big name guru guys that have some really good stuff. But also, I think as a company and as a, as a somebody working on a project, I think it's all about human connection. Whatever that means for you, connect with other humans ask them how they're doing in a genuine way, get to know them a little bit better and just start this discussion, start this process. And, you know, nothing heroic ever happens without vulnerability. Oh. So it's, a, it's about being a hero and, and showing that vulnerability and, and truly asking and caring about other humans that you come into contact with. And I think we've lost that. Not that we're bad humans or I think we're just stressed and, and busy and, overwhelmed. And that's one of the, I mean, it takes energy to do this. And if you're in burnout, that's another thing we can determine from these evaluations. If you're in burnout, that's the first thing we need to address. Because if you don't, if you're in burnout, you don't have the energy to cultivate relationships and to, to be caring about other people. So you have to take care of yourself and get out of burnout first, and then you can start to connect. That's you're hitting on so many good things and, and maybe they're hitting, hitting me personally. Cause I, I feel like I've been juggling a lot and, uh, and I've been trying to create a culture. Um, so I'm, I'm better at, at being the doctor than taking the doctor's advice. Maybe is that, is that the way to do it? Um, um I, I feel you, man. I, I do the same thing. And I, my, my, I have that self-sacrifice profile. So I tend to put other people's needs ahead of my own, my own anyway. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you, you really do have to take care of yourself first. I, I'm speaking at a, me, a construction mental 
Health Conference, May 18th out in Denver. And that's what my, my whole talk is about. It's about, you know, you, you got to love yourself first. You got to take care of yourself first. And then you have the capacity to, to connect with and take care of and, and find out about others. Yeah. One of, one of the things, and, and maybe you can help here, is I find that I think I've got it all managed. I think I'm doing all the things. And, and you don't even know when you've taken on too much because you're so used to it. And then the mm. physical symptoms. So I'm, I'm a big believer. Self-care is not selfish, right? And you have to get out. You got to get your exercise in. You got to, you yeah. got to eat right. You got to take care of, take care of you. You know, everybody uses the, um, the story of when you're the not oxygen, the, the oxygen in, the, yeah. in the plane, right? So yeah. I buy it all, but sometimes you don't know when you're taking on too much, any tips there. Well, here's the thing we found a lot of construction folks score very high in stress tolerance on this evaluation. And yet they, when we can see when they walk in the door that they're not handling stress well. So what we found is emotionally, they can handle stress very well and they, they do, but stress will start showing up physically. So things like trouble sleeping, wake up and can't go back to sleep or can't fall asleep, fatigue, is a symptom of stress or can be a symptom of stress pains headaches stress headaches pains and, and other pains that aren't osteoar like pains uh, autoimmune diseases um, diabetes arthritis the, those are all uh, any kind of lupus those kind of autoimmune things that hit you skin problems that they're usually triggered by stress so, so uh, stomach problems, you know, what do, what do we do when we have stomach problems? We, we pop the pill, the purple pill and Zantac and, and Tums. And those are, those are covering up those symptoms of stress. So it's your body saying, hey, dude, something is not right here. Like, we're, this isn't working. Something's not right. We need to fix it. But we, what we tend to do is cover up those symptoms with either over-the-counter or prescription meds. And so the symptom goes away. We we sleep, but we're on a on our, some kind of Lunesta or you know one of those sleep meds, or we take the purple pill, or we take a headache, you know, some kind of head pain reliever for our headaches or other kind of aches. So we cover up the symptom, and we think we're good. We're good to go. In fact, I remember you know being a project manager on a highly stressful project. I got sick all the time, and I just do Dayquil all day and then Nyquil at night for weeks just to be able to keep going and keep, you know, I was just covering up those symptoms of stress. So it's about recognizing those symptoms of stress, either emotionally or physically. And then it's about doing all these things, you know, you should do, you know, you have to eat right and you have to get your sleep and you have to exercise. And when I say exercise, people say, well, you know, I'm doing a, a, a marathon or I'm doing a, a triathlon. I say, dude, like, why don't you just walk, walk for, <laughs> walk for 10 minutes a day and, and just build on that because that's enough for now. You know, you set those, those lofty goals and you're going to set yourself up to fail, especially if you're in horrible. It creates more, it, and yeah. it creates more stress. Totally. It's like more, more pressure on yourself totally. to perform. My wife always says, I'm, gu I'm guilty as charged <laughs> on all the above. You got, she said, you got one decision to make turning right or left when you walk out your door. That's the only decision you need to make for your exercise. For the day. That's pretty good. Uh, I am committed to getting yoga in, into my routine somehow, some way. I've heard too many good things about it and, and just have not. It's miraculous. I've heard it. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm committed. Um, okay. Some rapid fire questions. I usually talk about uh, current events and public policy or, or so society issues mm -hmm. you're, you're actively involved in. Um, with Ukraine going on, I, I, you know, my heart goes out to everybody dealing with that situation, and and that's awful. It's it's really bad, and and it, who knows how this ends, how this plays out. Hopefully, you know, maybe even by the time this airs, um, that situation's been reconciled. But anything particular that you're uh, heavily involved in, or well, uh, mental health in general and mental health for the industry. I, I'm, like I said, I'm speaking at this conference. I, I've written a lot about it in my books. I've got a, we've got a whole program called Primal Safety, which is the fundamentally human connection, emotional intelligence, and also lifestyle stuff. You know, what are you eating? What are you drinking? 
Uh, and so it, it's a narrative where the, the kid, he, they leave the kid at grandpa and they all work in the construction industry. And then it shows how they stay safe throughout their day with personal protective equipment. But also there are some frames in the coloring book, like when my brother's feeling down, he has a best friend to talk to at work. And so this has got, they're talking with each other. Or my mother knows a good night's sleep is really vital for me being able to work safely throughout my day. Uh, my, my brother knows that um, medications, even over-the-counter ones, can affect cognitive ability and, you know, judgment. So he's very careful about what he takes. And all the profits from that coloring book goes to the Construction Industry Alliance for Suicide Prevention in my dad's name. So that's my dad's sort of legacy for that. So um, it's about really embracing that there's a problem and then figuring out what can I do to help mitigate the issues surrounding that problem. And I think it starts with this whole human connection. That's the primal part of the safety. We have a primal need to be connected with other humans. And it's about looking for out, out for each other and caring about each other. Uh, and then the other thing I'm, I've done a lot with is diversity and inclusion. That's another one of these online courses is diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. How do we create more of that in the industry? I think we have a lot of room to improve. And I think we've, we've really done a disservice over the last 15 or 20 years and really haven't created opportunities for women and people of color in the industry. And I think we're a little bit behind, but we can catch up and we can start promoting folks and bringing them into the industry and inviting them in and welcoming them in and making them feel like they belong and putting people in positions that they want to grow into. You know, go to go to pick pick a half a dozen construction company websites and go to their go to their leadership page on their website. It's a bunch of bunch of white guys you know, maybe one white woman. I mean, and I'm sure there are others out there that say, well, we have a lot of diversity and we have a lot of that. That's cool. I, I applaud you. But I'm just saying as an industry, we've got a long way to go. And it's mostly, I mean, go to any big conference, AGC or, you know, I mean, it, it's ridiculous. It's, it, it's, uh, there's just not a lot of folks there that, and then, okay, so you invite somebody and they go and they look around and they go, wow, I, I don't think this is my place. Yeah. You know, I, I just don't feel it. I don't feel like, like I'm part of this. No, I, I agree with you. And I mean, you, you said the word stodgy a few times. Uh, I, I think that's, you know, diverse opinion allows for innovation. I think, you know, we've had the same people looking at the same problems, using the same processes for forever. Yeah. No wonder, yeah. no wonder I, I joke that the AEC stands for archaic, expensive, and complicated. No wonder we haven't <laughs> innovated yet. Um, right. We're, we keep looking at the, the problems through the, through the same set of glasses. Totally. And I believe this, the lack of diversity in the industry is just a symptom of, of what you just said. Yeah. You know, it, it's not that that we're, you know, we we embrace people as they come in, but I think we're just we're just really fundamentally resistant to change and anything that's different and anything that's uh, innovative. It's a little scary, and and you know, we're, it's a whole industry of risk management. That's, right. that's exactly right. To be the, Nobody wants to be the first one through the fence line there because that person gets killed. And then, you know, it's the second or third wave that actually get through and, and make some progress. So they don't want to be that first one through. Yeah. Hard to pioneer. Um, yeah. We're pushing it. And we, we think that the key is, is educating leaders uh, in that. So we're trying to, we're trying to, and, and this is such a great conversation for all leaders. So, any leader listening, I uh, recommend you get in touch with Brent Darnell or start implementing some of his stuff in your uh, organization. Brent, favorite quote and why? Mastering others is strength. Mastering yourself makes you fearless. That's by Lao Tzu. And to me, that's the crux of uh, We put that at the beginning of every one of our programs. This is about personal mastery. This is about figuring out who you are and the things that you want to be um, remembered for and good at and cultivate those skills and 
you know, if you get your emotions mastered in that way, you can deal with any person in any situation. And so this is about understanding and managing your emotions, understanding and managing the emotions of others and, and for the best outcome. So sometimes that means being assertive and, you know, really saying what you need to say. And some of the times it means being quiet and being compassionate and showing empathy. And so it's knowing to do which thing to which person at which time that's, that's where the magic happens, but that's what this is all about. Uh, you just hit me, and and I have to say this: anybody listening, if, if this stuff is hitting with you, get in touch with Brent Darnell. If it's not, if it's not your level or your decision maker, go be the champion inside of your organization. Because guess what, your CEO is not listening to this today, uh, but you are. If you're a project manager and you can start implementing this, or or you're an engineer inside of an agency that, and you think that this this matters to your organization's health. Um, please step up and lead because it's not going to change from the top down. It's going to change from the bottom up. Um, so I wanted to make and sure that. To, to echo that, anything I can do to help, you don't have to hire me. I got tons of stuff I'll just give you and send you. Just use it. There's tools, there's books, there's resources. There's, like I said, I, I just talked about two, the free test that we have yeah. and, and this tough guy survival kit. And I'll send you whatever you need, uh, you know, my, my whole mission is about transforming the industry into one that's more collaborative, more relationship driven, more fun, more lean and more innovative. And um, I can't do that by just getting hired one company or one leadership team at a time. I got to spread the spread the word here. So let me know and I'll give it to you. That leads to most gifted book. Is it your own? No, I, you know, I, I read so much. I, I'm a voracious reader. I probably read at least 30 or 40 books a year. And um, the one I just read, which is a great book, I, and, and it may not even be relevant to what we're talking about, but it's called Sapiens. <laughs> you're the second guest great, You're the second guest on the show to recommend that. It's a great book. And, and I like the whole tried and true Peter Senge, The Fifth Discipline and uh, how to win friends and influence people. It's a great book. Uh, there's just so many good books out there. Anything by Drucker is usually pretty awesome. Uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Great book. If you set aside the, the having to, he says you should schedule everything in like every 15 minutes or so. I think that that's irrelevant at this point. <laughs> we can't, we can't do that in terms of time management, but other than that, it's a great book. It's about setting that vision for yourself. It's about really uh, adhering to what you want to leave as a legacy. Uh, and some really good stuff in there. And The Eighth Habit is also a really cool book as well. Yeah, Eighth Habit's where he, he starts to try and transform from the, the calendar management to the compass management. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and we all spend probably way too much time in the wrong quadrant. Uh, yep. so everybody look up the four quadrants there. Yeah. You need to be in quadrant two as much as you that, can. You'll, you'll spend a lot less time putting out fires if you did. Uh, dead or alive. If you could hang out with three people for a day, who would they be? And what would you do? Hmm. I'm going to have to go with, uh, with a couple of physicists, number uh, Isaac Newton. All right. Um, I would say, um, uh, Einstein and Abraham Lincoln. Those are, those are the three most intriguing people that I think I've ever read about, studied. And I would just like to ask them a bunch of questions and just have a discussion. And I, I would like to frame what's happening now uh. in terms of, you know, quantum physics and, and our theory, the, the unified theory and theory of everything. And also politically, I, I would like to get Abe Lincoln's take on what's going on, because if you look at what he went through, it was a totally divided country. Of course, we were in a civil war, but also the, how he manipulated and got things done through Congress and how that worked. I think we could learn a lot of lessons from from how he did that. And I would like to know the, the behind the scenes version of what that was and and not so so much that i'm going to try to change congress but i think it would inform us also about how we're divided as humans uh through these social media rants and and political rants and things and i, I think we can 
figure out ways to connect with each other a lot better. And he may have some good ideas on how to do that. Uh, um, interestingly enough, you brought him up and I, I'm listening to a book, uh, The One Thing by Gary Keller. And I had heard this before, but it reminded me that Abraham Lincoln had a like mental health issue. I mean, he, he yeah. had like, talk about a guy who, who struggled and overcame obstacles, lost yeah. his wife, had a mental health you know, breakdown, um, lost for Congress and Senate numbers of times before yeah. uh, becoming president. So uh, he was probably bipolar. He would have been probably yeah. diagnosed bipolar or at least uh, some kind of manic, depressive, something was going on there. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I'll put you on the spot. Any other must interviews for, for the inspiring people in places podcast out there? Um, Ooh, must interview people. You know, there's a, there's a, well, do you know Cal Byer? I don't. Cal Byer would be a good one. He is a mental health advocate for the construction industry. He's going around talking to like unions and guys with tools in their hands awesome. and getting rid of, rid of the stigma surrounding the discussion of mental health. That's great. Suicide. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I, I started here, you know, we started out talking about how uh, suicide was, um, I guess we're the second highest industry for it. And mm -hmm. I've been, I've been focused on the veteran community because there's a huge epidemic going on inside of the veteran community. Uh, I think yeah. a lot of it has to do with PTSD. I think a lot of it has to do with transitioning from military status into the civilian world and not really having meaning or mission in your, in your life. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad that mental health is coming up because I do want to be an advocate for breaking down the stigma around um, anything around mental health and, and encouraging people to get the help they need. You bet. It, it's like I said, it, it, it's, it's far worse in terms of deaths than, construction accidents that result in death five times worse. So yeah, it's a wild got, statistic. Yeah. If you throw in opioid stuff, it, it's astronomically high. Hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of uh, that going on as well. And the stigma around, you know, you, you, we have to get it out in the open and get these people to rehab and give them resources and help them instead of, instead of ostracizing them and we drug test them and then we fire them because yeah. they test negative for drugs. It's like, number one, we, we may be losing some very competent people, but number two, what kind of, what kind of society or, or organization or industry has that, you know, Hey, I'm really suffering with mental health or I'm a, I'm drug addicted. Well, then you need to just leave because we, we are going to just get you out of yeah. here. Next up. What? Yeah. It's like, wait, can't we, can't we provide resources? Can't we help them? Can't we tell them we're not going to fire you? If you admit to this, we're going to get your help you need and get you in rehab and, and have a program set up. I just went to the, uh, I spoke at this iron workers union conference in San Francisco. They have set things in the agenda for recovery meetings Wow. Because that's such a, a part of that, that culture, you know, yeah. drinking and, and uh, they have a lot of issues with, with addictions. And, and so they just said, Hey, it's part of our conference. If you come, there'll be meetings you can go to for NA and AA. And, and uh, we want to support you in this. And they're wide open about it. Hmm. And I think that's such an awesome thing. Instead of being secret, it used to be when you would go to, those kind of conferences, you would see meeting with Bill. That was the the guy that founded AA, and you knew that that was a an AA meeting. But only the people that knew that lingo knew to go to that meeting because it was a big secret. Because you didn't want anybody to know you were an alcoholic. Interesting. And and these guys have just blown it wide open and say, if you need help, we're, we'll help you and we're going to support you. And here's some resources and here's meetings you can go to all throughout the conference. If yeah. You need wow. That's great. Um, to your point, you know, these, these missions going on in the industry, so much of it is about uh, curating these resources to any audience because it, it there is uh, efforts going on out there. We just got to share them more. Uh, last question. 
legacy. Mm-hmm. What do you want on your tombstone? How do you want to be remembered? Hmm. I would say fundamentally someone who truly cared about other human beings. And that's the foundation for everything I do is I really do care about people. I I have my own biases, but I try not to to bring that judgment in. I, I meet people where they are and help them as much as I can. I want to be known as somebody who cared about people and helped people as much as he could while he was here. That's awesome. It sounds like you're doing it. Anything else? The time is yours. Anything else you want to share with the audience? Again, to remind you, it's it's people from you know who knows who's listening. My mom's definitely listening. Uh, but uh, engineering, construction, uh, a lot of DoD, a lot of public agency uh, work. But you know, I think you know the population. So anything you want to share and leave with them? Yeah, I would say we have to really take a hard look at how we respect others in this industry. When, when I do, I do a lot of work with lean and partnering with, I think one of the great greatest lean guys in the country, his name is Rich Seiler. And he came up to me after a, 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 one of the times I spoke at a conference and said, we're going to be working together. You've got what lean is missing, the people part mm-hmm. and the philosophy part and the respect for people part. And part of that is you flip the triangle, like if you have a triangle and CEOs at the top and then VPs and then PMs and superintendents and foremen down to people with tools in their hands, we just flip that. People with tools in their hands is at, are at the top. They are the only people on that project that create value. Everybody else are supporters to the value creators. And we need to get that in our heads that that's, that's what this is about. And then I think that respect for those people that are creating the value will permeate everything and will start to be, create that respect and love and connection and humanity for everybody in this industry. And that's when these things about diversity and inclusion are going to melt away because it'll just be about people respecting and loving and caring about each other, doing great things on projects. And so if you want to be a part of that, all you have to do is start connecting and loving and caring about and helping other people what, and meet them where they are. Whatever that is for them, just start helping. And I think we can get there as an industry. Thanks so much, Brent. This was such a refreshing conversation, much needed conversation to be had in the industry. Uh, we will connect everything to the show notes, including Brent's uh, LinkedIn bio and his website. Uh, as well as some of the resources he mentioned. So, uh, Brent, thanks so much. Thanks, BJ. It's a pleasure. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and subscribe to Inspiring People and Places on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast hosting platform. We'd also greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this with other entrepreneurial public servants. And especially this podcast, like I said, share this with your leadership, share Brent's resources with your leadership. Let's try to... uh, Let's try and encourage this conversation throughout the industry. Uh, As always, have a great week and have a great weekend. Thanks, everybody.